Looking back over last year, 2015, 31 people gave their life to Jesus through uh, the, the church here. It was, we saw them step into the waters of Christian baptism, uh, confessing Christ as Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins, and being buried with Him in Christian baptism, being raised up to walk with Him in newness of life. 31 people born again. Give praise to God for that. 31 people clothed with Christ, as it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Now, I'm thinking about the times when that happens, when those folks give their life to Jesus. I'm thinking about the response that we as a church have to that. We, we get happy, don't we? We clap our hands when they are baptized into Christ, and, and we sing a song of celebration. And it's, it's truly in praise to, to God. We do that together. And, and if it happens to be a Sunday where two or three people are baptized, then we get even more happy, happy, happy. It's, it's a great reason for us to celebrate together. And, and I'm thinking then, what must it have been like on Pentecost Sunday when 3,000 people made that decision for Jesus. Can you even begin to imagine the joy, the celebration, the high fives, the smiles, the hugs, the the laughter, the singing, the tears that were flowing? It surely was a wonderful, wonderful day. And so what was next for those people? That's the point that I want to emphasize today. There is a next step after one comes out of the waters of baptism. That is not the end. That is the beginning of a new life. That's just getting us connected to the Savior. And there is a whole new life ahead of us, a life of devotion, a life of commitment until the day we die. And really, we could compare it to being married. There is a wedding ceremony, isn't there, for for the bride and the groom. And that wedding ceremony connects the bride and the groom together. But that's not all there is to being married, is there? That's just the starting point. I was talking with my daughter Rebecca this last week, and and you know she's been married for three weeks now, and as we were on the phone together, she said something that caught my attention. She said, Dad, uh, do you know what I'm finding out, what I'm learning about marriage? (laughs) Well, that caught my attention. I, I perked up and I said, no, what are you learning about marriage? And she said, I'm learning that marriage is every day. (laughs) Oh, I said, yeah, you're right. It is every day. Why do you say that? What's what's the reason behind that? And she said, you know, when Luke and I were dating, it was just, it was always a long-distance relationship. And she was in Stillwater and he was in Joplin. And she said, you know, every time we were together, it was just fun and games. And we were just on top of the world and and, uh, just good times. And she says, now, you know, marriage, it's every day, isn't it? 
<laughs> she said, it's, uh, you know, waking up in the morning and bad breath and bad hair day and dirty laundry, uh, cooking. And yes, yeah, she's figuring it out, isn't she? She said, now, it's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's great. We're having fun, but it's every day. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of the way marriage is, isn't it? It's every day. Uh, there's the wedding ceremony, but then it's every day after that. And that's the way the Christian life is. There's the baptismal ceremony, and then it's every day after that. It's living for Jesus with commitment and devotion to Him. In Acts 2.42, we are told that the Christians, the early Christians, they were devoting themselves to some things. Now, before we get to those things, what they were devoting themselves to, let me just mention to you that phrase in Acts 2.42 where it says, they were continually devoting themselves to some things. That phrase in the, in the Greek language means to continue steadfastly to adhere to, to give unremitting care to a thing, to persevere and not to faint, to be steadfastly attentive to. Now the phrase itself is pretty easy for us to understand. It makes sense to us. These early Christians were committed to some things for more than just on Sunday. It was now their life. Every day they were steadfastly attentive to these things. Every day, they were giving unremitting care to these things. Let me read to you that verse, Acts 2.42. It's one that many of you will be familiar with. It says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're not going to get through all four of those things today, probably just the first two, but uh, let me mention the first one. They were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now keep in mind, they did not have the book in its written form, the Bible. Uh, they, they had Old Testament scrolls in those days. Of course, the New Testament hadn't even been written at this point. But they had the Old Testament scrolls, and, and there were a very limited number of those. Probably those were, were more for reserved for the temple and for the synagogues where people would gather in public places and they would listen to the reading of Scripture. They would hear the words of Moses read. They would hear the words of David from the Psalms read. They would listen to the prophet's words being read. In addition to that, Luke says they had the apostles' teaching that they were giving attention to. So the preaching that was taking place, the, the teaching, the instruction of God's messengers. In those days, if you were not a good listener, you would have been in the dark in regards to knowing God and His Word. You know what? Today, it's still important that we be good listeners to the Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Let me ask you, are you a good listener 
to the Word of God. You know, we have such an advantage today over those in the early church in that we have personal access to the Word of God. It's right at our fingertips in the form of a book. It's on our phone. It's on our computer. The big question is, are we taking advantage of the opportunity that is given to us? Are we being good students of the Word of God? Are we being good listeners to the Word of God? Remember, this book is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting training and righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, this book is his book. He inspired it and he's made it available to us. This book is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, but it can only be that to us if we are in it. This book, the psalmist said, is sweeter than honey. It's more precious than gold and silver. The words of this book are eternal. And this book will outlast the heavens and the earth. The words of this book bring peace to us and, and joy. The words of this book revive our soul, the psalmist says. The book introduces us to the Savior. This book introduces us to the Creator. The words of this book are true and they bring life to us. And so the question is, are we in the book? that we can benefit from all of that which the book claims of itself? Are we continually devoting ourselves to His Word, to the Apostles' teaching, to the words of Moses and David and the prophets? We need to be in the Word every day. Did you hear me say that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to be in this book every day. We need to be absorbing what the book says. We need to be knowing the book. We need to be reading the book, studying the book, memorizing the book. Why don't we do that? I mean, some of us do. If you are one who is a student of God's Word, praise the Lord for that. And may your growth in Him continue. May it be said of you, as David said in the Psalms, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. I mean, that's how we need to be. We need to be hungering after the book. We need to be thirsting after the book. But the truth is, oftentimes, we who call ourselves children of God are not all that interested in hearing what He has to say to us. Why? Why not? Could I be honest with you? I think one reason why, why that would be true is we're just, we're lazy. Spiritually, we're lazy. And again, I, I hope that's not true of you, but, but for a lot of folks, it is true. They are simply lazy in their pursuit of God. They are not hungry for His Word. And so the book stays closed more than what it's opened. 
And if that's the case for you, then likely you're not growing in your faith the way he would have you to grow. It would be like trying to survive as a, as, a, as, a, as a human being without eating, without drinking. You can't do that. And it, it, if we're ones who are not in the book, then you know what that does for us with the devil? It makes us open season to his attacks against us. Psalms 119 says that, that the way in which we overcome sin is through the Word of God as it's hidden in our heart. If we are not hiding the Word of God in our heart, then we are open season to the devil. And we are very prone to fall to the temptations that come our way. You know, another reason we aren't devoting ourselves to the Word of God is we are distracted. We are distracted with so many things. We are busy and we get tired and the Word of God is squeezed out of our life. I'm just being honest with you today and straightforward with you today. These are reasons why I think that we are not as good as students of the Word of God as what we ought to be. I, I imagine if, if, if we were better students of the Word of God, how much more spiritually strong we would be. We would be stronger Christians. We would have stronger churches. We would have stronger families. We would have stronger marriages. And I bet that our kids would be stronger in their faith if they grew up seeing mom and dad giving God's Word first priority in their life. The kids need to see you, mom and dad, in the Word of God. They need to know that it's important to you. And I bet that we would have more joy-filled Christians if we were devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. I bet we would have more peace-filled Christians if we were devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. I bet we'd have less anxiety-filled Christians if we were devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. I bet a lot of things would be different if we devoted ourselves to the Word of God. Now, we've talked about the need to be good listeners to the Word of God. And so let me just give to you three things here that I, I, I have... In, in my, in my notes, and I think it's on your outline if you're keeping track of that, as how you can be a better listener when you come here on a Sunday morning. Just three suggestions. And one, pray about that. Pray ahead for God to help you to listen. That would be something you could pray about uh, as you're getting up on Sunday morning, before you even crawl out of bed. You know, this is, a, this is the Lord's day. This is the day that I'm given to, to God, and I'm going to gather with His people. And Lord, as, as the worship is taking place, help me to be involved in that, and help me to gain from that, and help me to contribute, not just to be a, a spectator, but Lord, to be a part of that worship to You. And Lord, as, as Kevin or Dusty, whoever it is, gets up to preach today, Lord, speak through them. And Lord, would you speak to me today? Pray about those kinds of things. And number two, come rested. 
come rested. Try to get a good night's rest before you come here on a Sunday morning because I think God's deserving of our best on Sunday morning. And number three, come with a good spirit. Come ready to meet God and hear from from God's Word. And if there is something that is standing in the way of that happening, then give it to God. If it's a bitter spirit towards someone, give it to God. If it's an unconfessed sin, then give that to God. Confess it to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of points here we could mention about just how to become a better listener. I want you to know Satan doesn't want you to hear the Word of God. In fact, Satan doesn't want you here on a Sunday morning. He doesn't want you here on a Sunday morning. He'll try his best to keep you out of this place. He does not want you to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. So he's going to give you reasons. He's going to give you excuses to not be here on a Sunday morning. Don't listen to him. And when you come, if you do come, he's going to try and make it hard for you to hear the Word of God. No, it's, it's a battle. This is, this is a spiritual battle that, that we all fight, and we have to give him the victory. I want to ask you, will you commit to God that you are going to continually devote yourself to His Word? I want to give you a moment to bow your head. And if you're willing to say, Lord, I want to be a better student of Your Word, and I'm, I'm not just talking about on Sunday, I'm talking about every day of the week. If you want to... If you want to be a better student of God's Word, tell him so. Secondly, it says they were devoting themselves to fellowship. This is the early Christians. They're devoting themselves to fellowship. They're adhering to that. They're giving steadfast attention to fellowship. You've heard my definition for fellowship. If you've been around here for very long, it's simply this. Two fellows in the same ship. That's what fellowship is. It's spending time together with other Christians because... We need each other. We cannot fight this battle against the world and against the devil by ourselves. It's too hard. The battle is too difficult. We need someone to have our back. We need someone to stand with us. We need someone to give support to us. You remember in the Old Testament, Moses needed Aaron and her to hold up his hands as he held the staff of God so that down below Israel in the valley could fight the battle and win. Without Aaron and her, Moses' arms were growing tired. He couldn't hold the staff up. But these two fellows, they were his support. They were with him, and they helped him hold that staff up the length of time that he needed to. 
And every one of us need an Aaron and a Her to help us in our battle. And we need to be that for somebody else. Let me read to you the book from this book. I hope that you've bought this book through our, uh, in our church lobby. You can pick it up. It's a very easy read and it's a very good book. And it speaks to this subject, this subject of fellowship and the need for this. Let me read from the author. He says, several years ago, I had my own wake-up call about the power of groups when I was leading a research project. I asked my research team to review the records of hundreds of church members who had joined their church churches five years earlier. We then asked the staff of these churches to identify those members who attended worship services only and those who were also in a group. The results were staggering. Those church members who became involved in some type of group in the churches were five times more likely to be active in the church five years later compared to those who were worship-only members. I had to check the results a second time. They were astounding. More than 83% of those who joined and were involved in a small group were still active in the churches, but only 16% of those who attended worship services only remained in the churches five years later. And it brings us back to the main theme of this chapter, he writes. We cannot grow effectively as a believer in isolation. You hear that last sentence? He says, we cannot grow effectively as a believer in isolation. In other words, the Christianity thing is not a Lone Ranger thing. It's not just you, on your own, fighting the battle against the world and against the evil one. It's us. It's, it's all of us together, joining hands being united, being a family, being a body of believers, and we give support to each other. And there's there's a lot of different ways you can connect with a group. You can do that in the ABF hour on Sunday morning after this service. There's there's ABF classes that, that, that meet in different parts of this building, and you can connect with those groups and fellowship with them, and learn the Word of God in those groups, and you're, you're contributing, you're participating, you're, you're listening, you're sharing your life. And you can do that in a Sunday night small group. You can do that in a discipleship group. There's all kinds of ways that you can connect with a group. I've asked three guys to come up here this morning and just share with you for a few moments about their experience in this area of discipleship and fellowship. Give ear to what they have to say. Good morning. Uh, About two and a half years ago, we started our discipleship group, and I was looking for a way to learn more about the Bible, something in addition to what I was already doing. And this study definitely did that. And I think God used this study to grow me in a lot of ways. But what I wasn't expecting was 
how important the fellowship time was going to be, the relationships and how strong the bonds were going to be that uh, we had between all the guys in the group. Then about six months into the study, we had to take a trip up to the Mayo Clinic. Jennifer had to have some tests run and you know, pretty uncertain times for us, to say the least. And uh, we got up there and uh, planning our day out for all the appointments to come up the next day. And we're sitting in our hotel room. We got a call from the guys in the group, spent a few minutes talking, and then uh, they spent quite a bit of time praying with us. And if you've ever felt that, ever experienced that, you know the peace that can come from that. So here we are hours away from home, and we got guys back here calling, spending time with us, praying with us. And it was just a, an amazing thing. So it was at that point I realized that our group was more than just a group of guys getting together and you know, doing our memory verses and going through our homework. We were a group of guys that were in it together. It didn't matter what it was. We were you know, going to tackle the world together as it tried to attack us. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about our lives, our families, our victories, our concerns. Spent a lot of time praying together. And uh, this is still going on today. The group ended, or the study ended back in December. And this, these kind of things are still going on. So in a sense, we became brothers. I don't think any of us have actually rolled around on the ground fighting yet. But um, Kevin might want to do that with me if I keep telling him KU's not number one. <laughs> Um, no, seriously, though, there's a bond between us. It's really strong like that of really close brothers. And uh, you know, every aspect of this group was life-changing for me, but the benefits of the fellowship really surprised me, just how much that was going to impact my life. <clears throat> Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And as you can imagine, this is going to be an awesome day for believers. But until that day, I encourage you to find people that you can lean on, who can in turn lean on you. Find people that will go through the battles with you, who will encourage you, support you, pray with you, help you grow, help you keep your eyes on God through the good times and the bad times, and people that you can fellowship with. It was a life-changing experience for me, and I definitely... Um, would encourage it for everybody. Thank you. Good morning. For those of you who do not know me, I'm Daniel Williams. And I was asked to join the discipleship group, um, and I initially said no because I had an extremely full life. Um, my wife and I worked tremendous hours, and if we weren't at work working, we were at home raising our three children. I just did not see how I would have time um, at the current pace of my life to devote to any type of group such as this. I realized that that was the evil one talking to me, and I visited with my wife, and I thought that this is something that... Um, I should do something I should want to do so that I could grow stronger with the Lord and deeper in my faith. So I signed on to the group. Little did I know what God had already planned for me and my family in the future. Ever since I knew my wife, she had always been interested in the medical field. She also worked at the hospital while she was going to school in the lab. 
She actually wanted to become a doctor, but then she met me, (laughs) and things changed. We decided to get married and start our life together. Well, we both blinked, and 20 years went by, and we have three wonderful children. We were going through the motions, living our life, but Tara thought um, she had heard God calling her to do something much more with her life. And I knew that um, she had this calling for the love that she has for people. So we listened to this calling, and we prepared to go from two incomes to one. Not knowing how that was going to work out, but that would allow her to go to school full-time so she could attain her bachelor's in nursing at PSU. If that wasn't enough, nine months after she went back to school, I had an opportunity present itself to me that was absolutely perfect for me. But it sure wasn't the best timing. There was a gentleman in Pittsburgh who had started an independent distributing printing company um, in 1984. And he was wanting to retire, and he was looking for someone to carry his company that he'd started into the future. Well, I talked with my wife, something that I really wanted to do, but I um, didn't know how we could go from one income to no income (laughs) for a while. But we trusted in God's plan for our lives, and so we moved forward in this journey. I would like to tell you that Tara and I orchestrated this big, dramatic life change flawlessly. I'd like to tell you that it was a bowl of cherries. But it sure wasn't. It was lots of sacrificing and lots of tears. However, God has been faithful to us, and I would sure like to tell you more stories about things that you would not believe that has happened to us in our lives, doors that have opened that we didn't even know that was there. Going from uncertainty, whether how we were going to make it with our three kids and her going to school full time and me embarking on a new journey, we didn't know how it was going to work out. And I would love to share with you if you're interested in how God has worked in our lives. Our Christian life is not meant to live alone. Who goes into the battle by themselves? The fact that I had these Christian men in my life to share the intimate details of my journey and my struggles and have them praying with me and for me has strengthened my faith in God's plan for my life. They reached out to me with encouragement and with phone calls and with random texts of support. They helped me hold my hands up going through the battle of life. I would like to leave you with a memory verse that we learned in our group, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I am so thankful for these group of guys that I have studied with for the last two and a half years. Um, 
it has made the journey bearable and it has given me support that I don't know where I would find elsewhere and for that I'll be forever grateful thank you Somebody's going to go on after Elvis, right? <clears throat> so maybe you guys know this story and maybe you don't, but I just want to read something from 1 Samuel chapter 20, where David is literally running for his life from King Saul. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. My father doesn't do anything, great or small, without, without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know or know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. What I want, I want to point out here is that Jonathan had a lot to lose. He was the son of the king. And yet he told David, whatever you need, whatever, I'll do it. So let, let, me, uh, let me explain something. I, I'm a paramedic, and so I've seen a lot of tragedy and uh, a lot of difficulties. But last year around this time, there were three boys outside playing in some new fallen snow. And they decided to go walk on, on a pond, and the, the ice broke, and they, they, three of them fell in. Two of them were able to get out on their own. Uh, one of them was unable to get out with the weight of his clothing, and he just couldn't get out. We got called to go see if we could help, and uh, we were there for a while. It took us a little bit of time, uh, but we were able to finally pull him free. When we got him out, he wasn't breathing, and he, his heart wasn't beating. And uh, you can imagine the difficulty that's there when you have a small child. He was eight years old, and uh, he, he looked a lot like my son, so it was very personal for me. And uh, we were really, really close and up, up personal. And, and, uh, and I remembered thinking how difficult this was going to be for me. And I, I cried for weeks for this young man and for his family. But I remember also thinking that I didn't have to do this by myself. And I was tempted to do that. I was tempted to, to go into, into a, a dark place and just stay there by myself. And just to try and, and, and uh, deal with that by myself. But I knew I had a group of guys who I could go to who I could open up with. And I went in there and I, talk, I talked to him about my story. And of course, I cried. And uh, I don't know that any of us walked out of that room at any time without crying at one point or another. You know, <clears throat> bearing the weight of tragedy by yourself, it's just too heavy. But when you know that you have men who can stand in a gap with you, who can lock shields with you, and, and you know that you have people you can count on. I'll, I'll, I'll leave with this. When a lion is hunting... Many times what it does is it isolates its prey because it makes it easier to attack it. The, the word tells us that the enemy is a prowling lion. And I would just say be cautious. Don't, be, don't isolate yourself. Don't do the enemy's work for him. Right? One last thing. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I love my brothers. They have certainly made me sharper. Thank you. You know, that, that verse that Mike just quoted uh, became a favorite verse for, for all of us in that group. And, and uh, 
they were able to sharpen me every bit as much or more as what I was able to sharpen them. And we need that for each other. Uh, during this time uh, that we met together as a group, my, my dad passed away. And these guys were there for me. Just as we were trying to be there for each other in different moments in their lives. We met together for 27 months. And we had no idea when we started what was going to going to happen in our lives over a period of 27 months and for each and every one of us in that group there were there were things that happened there were crises that happened and times where we needed each other one of the guys that was in the group uh, actually traveled every week from Joplin to be with us he's one of my very uh, best friends through the years and and he came and was part of this group and uh, during that time his son began to make decisions in his life that were just heart-wrenching to him and to his wife and, and going the way of the world is what he was doing. And his heart was so broken. And we were able to take our lives and intertwine with his life and give support to him. Pray with him fasted and prayed with him. I remember one evening he was especially broken and we gathered around him and we just laid our hands on him and prayed over him and cried with him. Fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship. To encourage, to lift up. And I want to ask you, Find some avenues through which you can grow in your fellowship. Let's pray together. God, help us as we see what the early Christians were doing. They were committed the apostles teaching they were committed to fellowship help us to follow in their footsteps in Jesus name